Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. Hello, I'm so pleased to be joined today by Katie Walton. Katie has 25 years experience in learning and development and has worked in a number of roles, companies such as Nationwide, Thomas Cook and Alton Towers and countries including France, Israel and Australia. She's run hundreds of workshops over the years on topics such as influencing, personal impact, leadership and communication. Her roles have included creating coaching cultures, scoping learning strategies, talent development, performance consulting and executive coaching. She's passionate about development for herself and others and she's a sucker for a book or two from Amazon. Having completed her postgraduate certificate in coaching last year, she's currently contemplating the next big learning goal. Her experiences have led her to set up her own business called Real Progress, which combines all of her knowledge and experience to create really practical support for leaders at all levels. If you want to boost their careers and personal success, improve performance and productivity or increase team effectiveness. Today, Katie talks to me about six vital things to ensure your people are operating to their highest potential. It's an absolutely fascinating podcast and I can't wait to let you listen to it. Enjoy. Good morning, Katie. How are you today? Morning. Um, I'm full of beans this weekend, Pete. Full of beans. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm yeah. feeling pretty. Co- I'm feeling pretty good too. It's half nine on a Saturday morning, and I can hear the kids having breakfast. So I'm a little bit worried we may get interrupted, but let's just go no for it anyway. At all. We'll just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, welcome to a half dozen things podcast. Um, how have you found? Have you had a little listen yet so far? Oh, I certainly have. Yeah. In fact, actually, just yesterday, I was having a a listen to one that you recorded with Bev. So I think she was the the first woman that you had on. So I was pleased that you were, you know, shaking it up a little bit with the diversity. Absolutely. Yeah, got to hit the diversity quota, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, that's uh, obviously everyone's here on their merits and your list. I've just told the listeners about um, your list of, well, genuine credibility in the field that we're going to be discussing so um really really excited to have someone of your caliber on the podcast i'm really really pleased to have you here um we're going to be talking today we're going to be shaking up a little bit of a special because we've got um yourself as such an lnd specialist and for those that are um less in the know lnd means learning and development so six vital things to ensure your people are operating to their highest potential um which i think is going to be absolutely fantastic especially that this is going to give such a development opportunity to a lot of my listeners. Um, so we're going to be talking about clarity and guidance, support, development, playing to strengths, and then trust, um, and finishing off with trust, which I think is going to be really, really great. So should we kick it off then with clarity? Tell me a little bit why clarity is so important and one of your six vital things. Okay. Actually, it's not just one of the six things. I think actually, although they're all important and they're all quite interlinked, Without clarity, you are missing such an amazing opportunity. And actually, you're probably doing real harm to your business. So clarity for me is about giving people a sense of direction um, about where your business is going and what it is that you're doing. It's about helping people to understand how their team works and what their team is aiming towards. And it's also about helping people to understand what their role is there to do um, and their areas of responsibility and what you expect of them. And uh, is that your dog in the background? Yeah, I'm just going to mute myself and I'll unmute myself in a moment. Oh, it's no problem at all. So, yeah, without clarity, people could be absolutely storming it. They could be living to their full potential. But potential for what? 
Because ultimately, what we're discussing here, when we're talking about getting people to realise their full potential, operate to their full potential, we want that because we want people to perform for us and for our business. And there's stacks of research out there that tells you that the more um, engaged your people are, the more profitable your business is. And yet what I tend to see from a lot of people is not that openness of sharing, a kind of assumption that people just get it and people know that this is the direction the business is going in without being really, really clear. Totally, yeah. So this is one of the things I've, I'm literally, I've just recruited like two people into the business and I'm really, really excited. But on the other hand, like I realised that sort of as a single business owner, like everything's just a jumbled mess in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. really worried about making sure that I get a really clear vision for, for the people that are joining because of how important that is. Have you had a situation where there's been sort of a lack of clarity in the past and that's had a negative impact uh yeah I have personally definitely where I've kind of been I felt like I've been fumbling around with a blindfold on and my hands tied behind my back because I know that I can do a great job myself but if I don't know the context and I don't know the bigger picture it's really hard to do some basic stuff like make good decisions about where to prioritise my time or make great decisions about what I can push forward or to be innovative or creative or really add value to the business. I remember one time when I had no oversight of the budget, for example, and I was asked to help the business to make some key decisions on what development that they should go for um, and what support to put in place. But I had no oversight of the budget whatsoever. And trying to make a decision about what budgetary spend I could put into place without knowing the details is just super frustrating. And there's been any number of times when I've been in a role and I've thought, okay, so I've got what my job is and I've broadly got what my team is doing. I don't know what that team does over there. And then you actually talk to that team over there and you find out that you're all doing the same thing, but nobody's made a connection. So you've got all this wasted effort and you know time spent when you could have been pulling together and creating something absolutely fabulous. Yeah, definitely. So the, of the two of, of the two people I've recruited, they both actually applied for a similar role. So I had a bit of a lack of clarity. I knew I needed support in the business, but I knew that that role needed to have some administrative function and then some marketing function as well. So I was recruiting for a little bit of both, like a lot. A hybrid role so to speak yeah um, and what I've ended up getting is two amazing delegates but both of them have got sort of different skill sets one of them I've taken on uh, from an administrative point of view and one from a marketing point of view however because they've both applied for the same role I need to make sure that I'm so clear on exactly whose roles and responsibilities are whose and then yeah. the other the other challenge I had was around the marketing was I need to make sure I've got a budget as well, because how's that marketing person going to know what they can do if they don't know what the budget is? Exactly. That is exactly what I was talking about there, Pete. And I just want to pick up on a couple of things that you talked about, one of which was about not having it clear in your own head. And that is a challenge that I see time and time again with leaders thinking, well, I haven't got a clue the direction that I'm going in. Um, And then it makes it really, really challenging for other people. to to try if you don't know and you're in the business and you're doing all of this thinking they're kind of another two three four layers behind so what I suggest to people is just even still get together and share what little you know because you might be able to bounce ideas around with them and get some great insight from their perspective and their way of thinking so as a leader you don't have to be doing all of the thinking by yourself you can use your your team to help shape your thinking and shape your direction of travel as well that's that's absolutely brilliant so uh, i didn't realize but this podcast very much going to turn into a coaching session i reckon (laughs) (laughs) i'm not intending to do that Um, the other thing very timely that you've just made me think about then is, um, you know, when you're being clear, it's kind of being clear and sharing your views and opinions and everything else. But it's not about micromanaging. So it's not about going down into the detail to say, right, this is your job. And this is what, you know, every minute of the day looks like from nine to five and everything else. So it's kind of giving boundaries and shape. And this is where we're heading. And these are these are the big targets that we have to hit. These are the big goals that I'm going after. Because when you when you give that amount of clarity, people have got it going on up here. You know, even if you're not hiring them to do that, people have got eyes and they've got ears, they've got views and opinions. And the more that you engage with them, actually, 
the more that they reach their own potential through having that opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. And one of the things I've been doing is working through, it's almost similar to their contract and roles and responsibilities, but I've gone sort of a bit further than that. So I've started to think about what the outcomes are going to be. So rather than trying to make goals that are activity based, right, okay, so here are the roles and the responsibilities of what the role is going to be. But what I've done is set out like sort of three clear outcomes that I'd like for each of the roles. And then the conversation will be a bit different because it'll be like, okay, so we understand what the activities are going to be, but these are the outcomes. And actually, how will you get to there? As long as obviously these are the boundaries <laughs> to operate within. But, um, you know, as long as long as long as we get to these outcomes, this is what we're aiming to try and achieve. And hopefully that will give a level of clarity because that's the goal but also a level of empowerment as well absolutely and that's really what we're aiming for the the clarity and the boundaries because again there's something for me about clarity of expectations about contracting how you work together so basically just agreeing how you work together because they don't know you yet and you don't Mm -hmm. know them well enough yet and I see this mistake time and time and time again where people bring new people into their their companies and they've not talked about how they want to work together and the expectations they have of each other. And you even just talking through that saying, I'm going to talk about the outcomes, but how you get there, that's up to you. Yeah. That is, again, it's being clear. It's being clear on what you're expecting and clear on how you want to work together. And so many people, though you're making it sound really obvious, Pete, so many people forget that. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was doing a good job, but hey, I feel good now. So that's great. Awesome. <laughs> um, right, shall we move on to the next area, which is guidance? So um, yeah. obviously guidance, we, we've sort of touched on that a little bit, but explain a bit more about how guidance is, is so vital as well. Yeah, there, there were a number of different words that I could have used here, Pete, actually, to be fair. Uh, one of which is feedback. But I have a bit of a reaction when I hear the word feedback. So I've knocked that out of the park. And the other one is just like just talking, having a conversation. So what I'm really getting at is it's not enough just to be clear about where you want people to head. But if you really want people to operate to their full potential, you need to help them understand what they're doing well, what they're not doing so well, and give them a bit of guidance along the way. Now, The typical issue and problem that I see is that the majority of people feel really, really uncomfortable giving that kind of guidance, especially if they're new managers, new leaders, new business owners. You know, there's there's a bit sometimes going on about, well, who am I to say this? Or I don't want to say this because if I go there, then they could have a reaction. I could upset them. I could lose my best employee. And people typically just don't know how to have that conversation. And I think the, the kind of danger point is in their mind, they build it up to be a difficult conversation or a challenging conversation. And I've kind of lost count over the years, how many people have said to me, Katie, can you help me have a challenging conversation? The issue is, and I can see you kind of nodding to this, the <laughs> issue is as soon as you frame it, as soon as you call it a difficult conversation, your brain starts going into threat mode and thinking, right, this is going to be super scary. And it primes you for a, a fight, really. And that's the worst thing that you can do. So yeah. when we're talking about giving guidance here, what we're talking about is just having a conversation, letting people know how they're doing, because people need to know how they're getting on. People yeah. fundamentally want to be doing a decent job. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm smiling to myself because I think um, you, you've done a really great job of framing guidance and, and how to guide people uh, in, in, in their role and how to give feedback, which again is, um, I, it always makes me chuckle when I start, because I've moved so far away from all the corporate BS, developmental conversations and um, what's the other one, developmental and other evaluation uh, there's yeah. all different terminology and yeah. one of the one of the best bits of support I've had as a, as a leader in business and, and coming from corporate previously I've never really had any personal development on giving feedback or um, or guidance so to speak but it's something that I've let guide me to an extent but I did Toastmasters which was absolutely brilliant format for for evaluating performance because part of the Toastmasters format have you ever been by the way have you ever no, been Toastmasters no. No. so to- Toastmasters absolutely brilliant and they have an in an evening you'll have several people who speak there'll be planned speeches and unplanned speeches which they call table topics 
So um, someone will, will host the table topics and it'll be on whatever they decide to be. Normally something quite fun. Um, you know, one of the things I experienced was someone bought a load of chocolate bars and the job was to say why their chocolate bar was the best. So you'd so have it's, a it's like proper improv then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, awesome. it's really good fun. But half of that, half of the, the meeting is actually evaluation at the end. And even the evaluations get evaluated as well for how good quality they are. And you get so much development on being able to give and receive feedback because that's such an important part of being able to speak clearly and speak concisely. Obviously, I didn't go for very long, as you can tell by how terrible I speak. <laughs> Stop putting yourself down, <laughs> but, um, One of the things was like, one of the, the greatest, most clear bits of guidance I had from them was actually that make everything as personalised as possible So and not giving advice. So uh, one of the great things was rather than saying you were very quiet, you would say, I really struggled to hear you. So by just by using that little bit of language change makes such a difference in impact on how that message is received, but also in the opportunity that you've given the other person to be able to evaluate their own performance and how they're going to improve moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. And I actually, I use an acronym. It'll land well with you, Pete, actually, because I call it first aid. So what I mean by that is aid is something that you do first of all for people before you go any further. And it, it plays to exactly what you've just been talking about. And it's saying, cover off the action. So what is it that they actually did, the impact, and then talk about what you want to do next. So, for example, if someone's, um, I don't know, consistently late for a meeting, you just say, you know, oh, I noticed that you'd be late for the last four meetings. Help me to understand what was going on there because actually I feel like you just couldn't care less about the team right now you're then talking about your own perspective and what you've actually seen and heard them do they can't argue with the fact that they were late four times because that's a fact so you're not you're not criticizing them as an individual you're just talking about what you've seen and heard and what the impact was and then the do next could always be you know in some situations you might need to tell someone what they need to do differently uh sometimes again it's just a conversation to say help me to understand you know has there been a bit of a challenge for you do i need to help um help sort something out so you can be there on time next time so it could be anything but i find that you know just thinking about first aid really helps and there's been some great studies pete as well that talks about if people have the words and the language to use to have this kind of conversation they tend to be far more effective at doing it and actually just do it quite naturally whereas when they don't have the language to use it starts just making them feel quite fearful of even going there so, yeah got you we used yeah. to uh, we used to talk quite a bit me and me and my peers when i when i worked uh, a role previous we used to call it the bad breath conversation oh <laughs> yeah have you ever had one of those <laughs> yeah and failed miserably did you <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah i would say i would say that my development improvement on giving feedback kind of went something like uh <laughs> occur very quickly or rapidly as i started at toastmasters yeah. i think um and those who are listening that can't see my hand it was kind of like a, a steep incline in improvement because i think it was pretty terrible originally so, um, yeah, what, what sort of guidance would you give to managers who do struggle um, with giving feedback? Well, actually, I, w- I was just thinking when you were talking about the bad breath example, there is a brilliant book, video, all sorts, um, by a woman called Kim Scott. Kim Scott used to be an exec for Google and Apple as well, I think, in Silicon Valley. You know, she was working in a in a world where, you know, soft and fluffy just doesn't cut the mustard at all. And so she needed to kind of help find a way to land great feedback in a way that works. And the way she describes it is kind of having a, a sort of combination of being pre- being prepared to ruffle a few feathers and giving a damn about people. And she uses an example about, you know, if someone's flyers down, if you kind of, if you don't care about them and you're not prepared to ruffle a few feathers, what it looks like is just nudging other people and going, have you seen Fred's flies down over there? Uh, yeah. Whereas if you kind of care about them and you're prepared to kind of go there, it's kind of Fred, he flies down. And it's just, you know, it, it's just a simple way. I mean, her book is packed full of absolutely brilliant tips and advice, but most of it is just care about them first, have enough of a relationship so that you've demonstrated over time that you care about them as a person and then be prepared to to call it out because if you don't call it out 
it's far more damaging to your relationship and to that individual in the longer term. And I see it all the time. One of the the things that I see most at the moment, actually, um, is people who apply for either jobs or sort of career moves or promotions or whatever. um, And they have a conversation with the manager and the manager's kind of thinking, oh, God, how do I tell them that there's no chance in hell that they're going to get this job? And all you have to do is just frame it a little bit differently and just say, well, you're not there yet. You know, but here's here's two or three things that I really notice that you could do with improving and just be really crystal clear. So rather than saying you need to improve your gravitas or impact, for example, it could be, do you know what, Pete? Last week when I saw you in the meeting, you had three opportunities to speak and you just didn't take them. What's going on, man? And you just have a bit of a conversation that brings it out in a way that says, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to do any damage here. I want the best for you. You know, let's work on that together. So Amazing. that's my recommendation, really. Be prepared to riffle feathers and give a damn about people. Love it. Yeah, love that. Absolutely love that. I think as well, we'll come on to it as the final point around trust as well, but it's building that culture of trust as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. But I think, I think it's definitely about having good quality, regular communication, isn't it? So you've created a safe environment for people to give decent feedback I think so yeah fantastic right so and that kind of leads me nicely onto our third area which is support yeah absolutely and what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about support is a phrase that a really good friend of mine shared and I've absolutely hung on to it absolutely loved it and he was saying do you know what Katie fundamentally people need to be seen heard and recognized to realize their full potential and it's stuck with me because it's so true when people are seen heard and recognized when they feel valued they go over and above and I do this activity every time especially when I'm doing workshops to help people become leaders for the first time I do this exercise with them um, just called best boss worst boss and um, maybe you might want to do it as well without naming any names right but all you have to do is just think about how your best boss made you feel um, and how your worst boss made you feel what was it like getting up on a Monday morning knowing that you were going to work for your best boss and what was it like getting up on a Monday morning knowing you're going to work for your worst boss and then we kind of look at what was that boss doing saying you know and how did it make you feel and time and time and time again you know what we come out with falls into two categories one is support which is this third thing. Uh, And the other one is challenge, which I'll come on to when we talk about development. And it's the two things together that absolutely skyrocket people. When when their boss gives them support, it looks like giving them flexibility to operate slightly differently. Or it could be, if you think about right now, cutting people some slack, you know, when they're trying to do homeschooling as well as kind of operate their job and or giving them freedom to go and see their kid in a school play or sports day or something like that. So really supporting them to be the best they can be. So that's kind of one fundamental area. Do you uh, do you have anyone spring to mind? We're talking about best <laughs> I'm boss, smiling best boss. to myself. <laughs> I'm smiling oh, yeah. to myself. Yeah, I've got to be very careful though. All right. Okay. No comment here. Yeah. No. No. That's the thing, right? So, like, so my worst boss. It made such a difference in the in, in what they got out of me because everything at that point when I was when I had a bad boss, everything I did, I just did for myself. It wasn't for anyone else. I just did it for me. Yeah. And it'd be about my own outcomes, about I did I'd do it based on whether it would prepare me better for my future or whether it would earn me more money or whatever it may be, but I wasn't doing it for anyone but me. Or I might do it for my teammates, to be fair. I might do it for my teammates, but it certainly wouldn't be to make them look better. And if if I thought that anything would make them look better. I'd make damn sure that people knew it was me that did it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's the worst thing. I hate, I hate um, bosses who will take the credit, take the credit mm-hmm. for what you've done, right? Um, but yeah, from a good boss point of view, you couldn't do enough for him, you know, that, and that's the thing. Um, and that, that's such an important ally because I felt that I had the power to be able to really support them um, yeah. and, and to really make a difference and make an impact. So yeah, hugely, hugely varied in what they'd have got out of me personally. And then when you times that by maybe five times in a team, the, the difference in productivity or the difference in getting the highest potential out of, yeah. out of, out of a team of people, it's massive, isn't it? That, and that's oh, the really? impact that someone can have. 
Absolutely. And the support is just such a fundamental thing. And again, it's something that often people discount as being like too soft and fluffy or pandering to people, but it actually makes a massive difference to that individual and ultimately, exactly as you said, Pete, to the bottom line. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get our people to A, be happy in what they're doing, but B, we we need them to perform. We need them to improve the the business for us, yeah? Definitely. Definitely, especially if I'm on a basic salary, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid either way, right? Yeah. And if you set the objectives and I just hit them, mm. then, then great, right? But the return on the investment of that money is going to be ridiculously different based on how well yeah. how well I'm willing to perform for my for my boss or directly for my boss. So, okay, the, Brill. The other thing kind of ties into development, which we're coming on to as well. Yeah. But it's a, a really simple formula and it just talks about the fact that people's potential minus interference equals the performance that you get so that's to say that you know everyone's got this amazing potential within them but there's stuff going on for all of us and sometimes it's you know that that self-talk and everyone has self-talk and if you're thinking actually I haven't got self-talk that's your self-talk talking right yeah but there's so much that gets in the way for us it could be a fear of failure or a a fear of not being good enough when we're supportive with people Mm -hmm. and we help them to to make progress that absolutely gets rid of that interference which means that people can perform better definitely and that creates real progress it does absolutely nicely done i like it Uh, okay so so development so challenge talk to me a bit about challenge and development then yeah um it's not enough to be supportive pete and that's what people tell us time and time again when we come to best boss it's not enough to be supportive the people who've who've had real experience from a, a great boss said that you know it's the challenge that Bosses have pushed them out of their comfort zone. You know, they've kind of wanted to come in, do a job, go home, but their boss has gone, actually, no, you're capable of so much more than that. Here's a big challenge for you. Here's a step up. And when you feel supported and you feel like your boss has got your back, you feel like you can do it and you can go an extra mile. And you think about, you know, in life, all of us learn the most through challenges that we face and through new experiences. And I was thinking, I was kind of reflecting on what challenges I've had. And, um, you know, the biggest one for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, Pete, parenthood. You know, you think <laughs> you could go to as many NCT classes as you like or as, as many kind of mid, midwife run classes to prepare you. But nothing prepares you for the challenge, like actually bringing your kids home and having to deal with it. And this is where the real magic happens in development. It's not the training courses and workshops. And I know I'm doing both of us a bit of a disservice here. It's not, that's not where the the magic happens for people. The magic happens when they get a challenge and they rise to it and they get hands-on and they learn through kind of that practical experience. The development and like courses and, and information and everything else, that's the stuff that helps us get even better and kind of plugs the gaps and cements it and takes us from being decent to fantastic or whatever but yeah I, 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 do you know what I totally agree with you my personal development has pretty much mostly come from lived experience and from books I've read out of the classroom um, and things that I've done to stretch myself but particularly like you say parenthood as well you know I've had times where things have been quite nice and easily and tumbling along and then there's been times when it's been ridiculously difficult and I've had to really sort of stretch um, stretch myself to, to be able to develop and I, I realised that you know I was actually just reflecting on it the other day with um, one, one of the situations uh, I need to be a bit careful what I say but um, mm-hmm. you know I, I'd reflected and realized that if I try and push one of them to be more like me and and that's quite an instinctive thing especially for men with with sons for example that you'd push your child to be more like you because that's how you see things well actually the more you push them the more you're going to push them away so actually it's much better to just embrace the way they are um, and then support them in that to give them the confidence to be whoever they want to be which is great as long as they stay within the boundaries right so um and 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 that has been a big development and that's taken time you know that has taken time for me to be like that and for me to be very reflective and i think reflection um and self-awareness are a massive part of development um, because and it's something yeah. something that I do quite a bit and back in the day back in my early 20s I'd have probably called it navel gazing and mm. just just man up and crack on right um, but I think one of the challenges certainly that I've found personally though and, and something I would say if um, to people that are listening 
it's one of the I've felt suffocated before in roles where I've been supported but because the company's so keen to get a return on investment on any development that I've had that they want to keep me in the role I'm in whereas I'm ready for the next step and I find that very demotivating have you come across that before yeah yeah absolutely um we see I, I see it I work a lot in large corporate organizations um, and I see it a lot when we talk about trying to get people to be set up for success for their own careers and also so that we've got the right people in the right roles at the right time. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is taking people with potential and putting them in really challenging situations, giving them big, challenging projects, uh, because they need to do that to um, fulfill their own potential and to grow into the next role. So they're even more valuable for the company in the future. However, you know, it, it's quite a natural thing for a lot of leaders to say, actually, why would I want Pete to go over there? Because he's my best performer. And without Pete, then I'm, I'm going to have a big hole in my team. So, you know, a big battle that we face sometimes is helping leaders to think more broadly about the good of the organisation rather than just the good of the team. You know, and, and part of that is by making sure that you're developing everybody and looking right down into your team, and seeing everybody that you have got so you've got a continual progression and a continual succession going on because otherwise you're right you just get suffocated and that's no good either without development without challenge you know we're not fulfilling our potential I, 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 I totally agree with that succession planning is a massive part of certainly a larger organization but even mm-hmm. even smaller organizations if they don't think about it soon enough they could be left with real real holes and i've experienced that certainly with you know people that i know will be listening and it might resonate with some of them you know I, i've really certainly witnessed that where a business has been built you've got the business owner and they've potentially had like a right-hand man who yeah. has come along with them and helped build that business but actually they get to the point of retirement for that right-hand man and actually it's a really painful yeah yeah, it's a really really painful process and I know I can certainly think of a couple of companies offhand you know they've scaled up to the size of 100 to 200 employees um you know the, the 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 second in command so to speak behind the business owner has got to retirement age and has ended up having to come back two or three times over because the person who they've brought in to replace them. The systems aren't in place. No one's got the level of understanding of the company that they've got. Um, it's yeah. been built over years and years and years of experience. And no, no forward planning has gone into Joe Bloggs is going to retire in a couple of years and we've not developed anyone to really understand yeah. what he does and how he does it. And I it think it's form- catastrophic. It is, absolutely. It should form part of your business continuity planning. Absolutely, it should. I mean, look what happened when COVID came and blindsided everybody. You know, it just goes to show you don't know what's around the corner at all, Mm. you know, and doing some proper preparation and planning that will absolutely help you. And part of that is your succession planning and is your development for your broader team. Perfect. Perfect. And and one of the other things I wanted to, to just sort of talk about here was about generational differences with level of support and willingness for development as well. Um, do you see do you see much difference? Because I've always been I've been made to feel very aware that I'm a millennial, which apparently makes me quite impatient. Um, it <laughs> makes me want to run before I can walk. Maybe that's character traits as well. But is that is that something you've come across? Is there a generational thing or is it more about character traits in people? That's such a big question. I need a whole podcast all by itself to come and answer that, Pete. Um, because, yeah, I think there is a danger. There's certainly themes and trends that we see with different generations in the workplace without a shadow of a doubt. But I think it's too much to kind of typecast and say that all millennials are like this or typically most millennials are like that. So, you know, because we, we could always say that, you know, Gen X, is it Gen X? It is, yeah. Uh, slower to learn. Um, and actually, I think, again, going through the recent experiences, what I've seen is people of all ages, in all sectors, in all businesses, massively being able to develop like on the turn of a coin recently and being able to change their whole business models, their whole ways of working, their whole ways of operating using tech that's very different so I don't I don't think it is just a generational thing I, I would be more convinced by personality traits myself 
Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was a little curveball to throw at you there, really. Um, yeah. But it's something that it's something that I've often wondered because I, you get typecast. Certainly, as a millennial, I've been typecast by Gen Xs or baby boomers that I've reported to potentially as a troublesome millennial, which I quite like actually. <laughs> I, I quite like being a troublesome millennial. who's impatient and wants to crack on. You yeah. Know, no, I'm more I'm more than happy to be typecast like that because I'm not particularly a troublemaker. But I think um, <laughs> I, I think it's uh, probably more than it being generational it's probably just part of the thing that drives me on like why else would I be up at four this morning right yeah right (laughs) and then again you know we talked about framing earlier there's different ways of framing that you know it could be you're a you're a driver you're a shaper you're an influencer you're a innovator there's different ways to to describe that kind of that drive definitely Definitely. no brilliant brilliant and um okay so let's move on to Whilst we're talking about traits and, yeah. and personality types, for example, let's talk about playing to strengths because that's kind of ideal, the fifth area. Let's tie that in. Yeah. Well, there's been amazing research done by Gallup over a number of years that just talks about how if you play to people's strengths, that's, again, where you really ignite them, where you really get full potential out of them. And I remember doing this with my team, um, oh, it was about 10 years ago, actually, when I first started really using this myself as well. And it was with peers, so it wasn't led by a leader, it was with my peers and colleagues. And I was sitting there thinking, I, I'm really struggling with some of the work that I've got on my plate right now. I don't like it, I don't enjoy it, it's not motivating me, but I know I have to do it because it's part of my job. And we talked about what that was, and it was budgets and spreadsheets and, you know, data and analytical stuff. And it wasn't floating my boat at all, Pete. That doesn't surprise you, I'm sure. And then one of my colleagues said, you know, it's really interesting you should say that, because there's bits of my role that I hate too. And she was saying, actually, it's the presenting to other departments, and it's kind of the the building good relationships and stakeholder management engagement. And I was kind of looking at it again, you don't like that. I love that. And she said exactly the same to me about, well, you know, the spreadsheet stuff. I'm in my element when I'm sitting there doing the spreadsheets. And it sounds ridiculous now, but we've never had that conversation before. And that night, there was something on BBC News about working to strengths. And I started investigating it a little bit more. And the next day, if I went into the team, I said, right, so we've got our job descriptions. We know what our roles and responsibilities are. How about if we rip those up? How about if I take on more presenting, you take on more of the analysis And let's see where that takes us. And it was just, it was brilliant because I loved my role. She loved her role. I then thought, let's take my strengths and develop them into super strengths. She did likewise. And we went, say if you would rate us both as 8 out of 10 in those areas of our roles. We went from 8 out of 10 to 10 out of 10, smashing out the park. And it didn't even feel like we were like using much extra energy or effort or anything. You know, it ignited us it inspired us and we were passionate and we delivered and brilliant so I've got I've really got into it I've read a book called Strengths Finder um, and in there there's kind of 34 different strengths that you could work through and um, you can take a questionnaire and identify your own strengths but I started to use that with teams as well so that perhaps when they started working on ad hoc projects rather than just picking out Pete and Bob and Lou over there they suddenly instead went for well actually who's got strengths in this area who's going to really shine at doing this and that's how they started building project teams and had amazing amazing impact as well yeah i think i think that that, that's absolutely fantastic and actually i don't think anyone else has mentioned that so far on the podcast either but how important that is because i know personally from being typecast into a role based on previous experience how how very tiring it is when actually you're not playing to your strengths it's so much more effort so so much more effort to try and you know squeeze yourself into that you're you're around peg trying to get into a square hole it's yeah. just an absolute nightmare absolutely. whereas you know it's so much easier obviously when you play to your strengths know what your strengths are obviously it's great to develop weaknesses isn't it but at the same time i think i sort of type i put this into knowing myself as a business owner as well i think one of the challenges is and it, it's great to play to strengths, 100%. I to- totally agree with that. And actually, we should do way more of that. As a business owner, when you are on your own and have to be all things to all people, it's a bit of a challenge because if you do play to your strengths too much, what you end up doing is overdeveloping certain areas of your business. And I'm really guilty of that. And that, that really resonated with me as you were just talking because there, there's certain elements that I enjoy and are therefore 
very overdeveloped and probably if I'd focused more on where I'm weaker, maybe I'd have a better business, maybe I wouldn't, who knows. But at the same time, so it's, it's so important to be conscious of those. And I think, I guess it's different when you're a business owner because you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. So you well, we need I'd to like think to about that slightly differently. That actually, Pete, because I don't think you always do because there's always options. So what mm. I'm not saying is ignore the weaknesses and just let them go away. Just then find a strategy to manage it. And that yeah. strategy might be outsourcing. And you yeah. actually might find as a business owner, if you play to your strengths and do stuff that you are flipping awesome at and you outsource yeah. the stuff that you're weaker at, then actually the time it takes you to try and navigate some of those weaknesses, if you can outsource them to somebody else who, you know, where it plays to their strengths, you might actually find that you're doubling your revenue instead of working harder and harder and harder at doing something that, you know, just isn't paying dividends for you. Yeah amazing and I, and I, do you know what I couldn't agree more with that. that that's very true that really outsourcing weaknesses or if you're in a team of people sharing weaknesses and, or whatever. And, yeah. I think the fundamental thing I just want to drive home is that I see too many leaders just looking at people thinking like there's a gap here I'll put all my attention into plugging that gap and developing people rather than yeah. just thinking about different strategies and the different yeah. strategy might be outsource it shake up my team a little bit get someone else to to do that role if we think a little bit differently I think actually that's where you know if we're thinking about enabling people to deliver to their highest potential playing to strengths I think is a a real fundamental one yeah no I totally agree I think I think the tendency and certainly what I see in some of the businesses I work with is they just look for the capacity who's got the capacity what department's got the capacity let's 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 put put that there because there isn't a bottleneck we'll we'll just fix it that way rather than going actually that'd be better better solved over there and actually the businesses i work best with will be the companies who go do you know what we need a specialist to do this and have you got a tool which uh people could use to be able to work out what their strengths may be yeah um just i mentioned the clifton strengths finder you can buy it on amazon there's a book you can buy it on amazon for about 15 quid and it's got the questionnaire as part of it. So there's a link that you can go on and complete it. So that's if you kind of want a full Monty. But, you know, I tend to work with people and just I, I've got my own strengths list that I share with people. So if anybody wants a copy, just get in touch with me. Uh, more than happy. And it's literally just an A4 sheet of paper and says, this is how we describe strengths. This is how you might spot them in people. Here's a list of words. Tick the words which you think you're strongest at and how can you do more of it? So you can keep it really, really simple and practical or you can kind of dig a little bit deeper into it as well. Perfect. No, that's brilliant. So we'll move on to our final area, which is trust. So the sixth vital thing to ensure that people perform at their highest potential is trust. Tell me a bit more about that, Katie. It does link in quite a bit to support that we talked about earlier, but there's a fundamental uh, thing that I want to talk about as well. One is that if people know that you've got their backs, they perform for you, no question about it. And they feel better able to, again, develop and stretch out their comfort zone and everything else because they know you have their back. And this is something that isn't just about telling people, I trust you, it's about walking the walk. So I get people to think about when the shit hits the fan, um, you've got a customer complaint, for example. How do you deal with that? Do you go straight to your, your team member and have a bit of a go? Or do you think, actually, I'll ask them what happened and I'll trust that they will have dealt with it in the best possible way. And then if they haven't dealt with it in the best possible way, that's when you have a conversation with them and help guide them to a way that would be better in the future. So trust is kind of demonstrating that you've got people's backs. And it could be things like, not talking about other people behind their back as well because as soon as you do that then it might encourage people to think well what do they say about me when I'm not around so trust comes from what you say and most importantly what you do and um, I just wanted to share some research that Google did really quite interesting I was so interested in this about three or four years ago and they undertook a project that they called Project Aristotle and it was all about understanding what was it that made uh, their best performing teams, best performing. And it was all around, they kind of looked at all different permutations of teams. Is it when you've got a load of experts together? Is it when you've got people who are friends and socialise outside of work? And actually the golden thread that ran between all of them was that there was psychological safety in that team. So they trusted each other, they listened to each other, they paid attention, they made space for everybody to have a contribution. And it's that level of trust 
if you can work towards it, it just, again, it skyrockets people's potential. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've, I've got a few, a few interesting stories around trust. I, oh, yeah. I, I love, I love that you've put that last and I think it's so important as well. And it's something that I always, I always try and w- would build within my teams, but certainly in the way that I've been managed previously, you know, I've, I've had some challenges. So a good example, a, a really good example was I had a situation where one of my team members, we, w- we didn't know this. It was, this was sort of the first warning. We had a parts department, which probably stocked, about a quarter of a million pounds worth of parts at any point, up to about half a million pounds worth, depending on how busy we were at any one time. And uh, part of the stock take was that there was there was then a discrepancy. And a lot of people who are listening could probably familiarise themselves with this and, and this would resonate. But there was a discrepancy of around £10,000. So significant, significant discrepancy. And my line manager was a very on top of me, as in why didn't I know that there was an issue there? Um, and, and there was a real... You know, there was a sense of, uh, I felt very victimized by that. I felt, you know, I, I felt quite demotivated as well, because certainly the last thing I would ever do would be to do anything that I shouldn't with, with £10,000 worth of parts. Anyway, so uh, the the actual overall manager who's a senior role to him, but actually oversees the regional parts situation, was very clear on the level of trust and that this is so easily happened that you know this this can so easily happen and let's have a look at all the different things that could happen there and mm. those two conversations were so different one of them left me reeling for days of yeah. oh my god how's this happened self-blame totally mm. demotivated not working properly to the the realization that actually there was total trust from someone else who was like you know i understand that this is an issue let's work together to see how we can resolve it and where the problem is within your team um which was actually the right route to take but yeah it was uh, it's so prevalent and and that really hit home when you talked about that me remembering that story so i'm sure lots of people will resonate with that yeah and there was a, a large organization that i worked in we we used an example of where stuff really went very very wrong as an example of what we wanted our leaders to do across the whole of the business. So this one individual had made a mistake, which resulted in a huge amount of media attention. I mean, it could have been really quite damaging for the company. But what they did is the second that they realised they'd made this mistake, they flagged it. And again, the leaders at the time just sat down with them. And rather than it being a blame thing, it was like, right, these things happen. How can we work to overcome it? How can we work to, to turn things around really quickly? And it ended up with many different teams across the whole organisation coming together to fix it. And then what the company did with the individual's permission was use that as a story about this is what we want to happen. People make mistakes. That's okay. People um, will get things wrong. That's okay. The crucial thing is that you trust them enough to know it's not done maliciously. It's not an issue. Let's work together. Let's resolve it. Let's get over it. And trust levels in that company skyrocketed afterwards because it kind of felt safer it felt okay to make mistakes you know that people had your back and that's what this is all about it's about leaders having their teams backed not blaming not judging not criticizing even though it can be really tempting to do so sometimes but you know know that when you know that your manager has got your back that's just that's so powerful really is yeah, no, I, t- I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, have you had, have you felt that situation where you've been in somewhere that struggled previously? Um, with trust? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had both actually. I've had times when I felt incredibly trusted. So um, I worked with a, a team of trainers out in Paris actually for, um, ooh, oh, it was quite a few years ago, but six months. And we had no, no kind of direct manager overseeing us and everything. And we felt kind of empowered to, to do whatever we wanted to do, whatever we needed to do to get the job done. And we just, we worked incredibly well because, you know, most people are very responsible. They want to do their best. They want to go in and do a damn good job. So the trust, we were paid hundreds of times over in terms of we went over and above. We've worked loads of extra hours. Um, and that was absolutely brilliant. And I've worked in other, other teams. I can remember, again, you have to be really careful, don't you? Uh, yeah, and I can remember definitely. where... I just felt so micromanaged and, you know, every single time I wanted to make any decision, I had to run it for my boss. And I'm thinking, I've done this job many years, not just for them, but for other people as well. And I've made much bigger decisions um, that have had a much bigger impact. And yet you want to kind of sign off every little 
every little piece of work that I do, every project, every slide, and and it just becomes wearing. It becomes absolutely exhausting where you start to to question um, your own judgment, your own abilities. And in the end, it's exactly as you've mentioned earlier, your motivation levels go down without trust, without having that trust in your manager and without having trust in your teammates. If you don't have trust in your teammates, then you don't talk to one another. You don't collaborate. You don't share. You don't get shit done together, actually. Um, You tend to work individually. And everybody knows if you get a team working together really effectively, you will perform at a much higher level than individuals trying to do it all separately. I've experienced it all, Pete. Loads of trust, no trust, everything in between. No, and you've brought, and and that's what's so brilliant, because you've brought all of that experience into this conversation. And by God, it's nearly an hour already. It's absolutely flown by. Yeah, it's absolutely flown by. So (laughs) for those of you that are listening, leaders amongst you that are listening to this, the six vital things to ensure your people are operating to their highest potential are not about them. They're about you. Clarity. Are you communicating clearly? Guidance, are you giving people the guidance they need and the support they need, which is the third one? Development, are you developing them? Are you challenging and stretching them? Are you playing to their strengths? Do you even know their strengths and weaknesses? And are you displaying that you trust them and letting them feel that you trust them as well? So, yeah, fantastic support there, Katie. Absolutely brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed it. Tell my listeners a bit more about how they can find you, where they can follow you and uh, and hear more great stuff about your insights from all your history and L&D. Lovely. Thanks, Pete. So um, my business name is Real Progress. So you can find me at www.makerealprogress.co.uk. Um, LinkedIn is where I tend to hang out most of all. So either follow me, Katie Walton, or I also have a business page there, Make Real Progress. So come and join me. I am always happy to have a conversation with people. I hope people can see and hear just how passionate I am about development. And what I'm most passionate about is that the development that you give to people actually translates into a workable difference. And it makes a fundamental difference to your bottom line. And that's what I'm passionate about. It's not the theory and everything else. It's it's actually helping people to make progress, to make a difference to the bottom line of your business. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have absolutely no doubt of the impact you can make on people's bottom line. So if anyone wants to get hold of Katie, you can also get hold of me and I'll be be more than happy to pass you on. Uh, One final thing that I wanted to mention that Katie and I collaborate and give our time freely on currently is a network called HR Connect Over Coffee um, that we collaborate on with uh, with a couple of other um, really high level professionals in the HR sector um, and link up with us on HR Connect Over Coffee. We're broadening, since we've gone online, we're broadening the scope of the people that will uh, have impact from the sessions that we run via Zoom and and in person too. And we're shaping that all the time, aren't we, Katie? So it's a fantastic community there too. And there's loads of super exciting sessions coming up as well. Anything from scenario planning and culture to you know we we did a session quite in depth actually about the furlough process so basically anybody who is interested in people and hr and development uh, anything come and join us you know we're a great bunch great friendly bunch that's absolutely brilliant and it's a really safe place for people to be able to communicate with us and ask questions as well um you know if they don't want to ask it open forum they can always put it to us individually and then we can ask it to the forum on their behalf as well so um yeah there, there's plenty of opportunity there katie thank you so much for joining me you're so Over- welcome thank you for having me pete <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing i can't believe how quickly the time's gone i know and uh, everyone who's listening thanks for joining us i hope you got as much value from it as i did certainly felt like a bit of a bit of coaching and i know exactly what I'm going to do with my new team members sit them down and talk around the six things with them Um, so I really appreciate it thank you so much Katie thank you everyone for listening and um, we'll catch you all again next week thank you thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate your time please do follow me at Pete Rushmer on LinkedIn or on Facebook follow Flagship Training UK and you can find us on YouTube too at Flagship UK Flagship UK